What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Why do people and profit actually go hand in hand? And how do you go about embedding core values into your elite teams? I'm CT at Engage Rocket, and to help us answer those questions today is Ms. Carrie Stout-Smith. Carrie is the General Manager and Chief Operating Officer of Cash Creek Casino Resort. She has extensive experience in marketing and casino operations and it's a real pleasure to have her here in the studio with us today. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, CT. Thanks so much for having me. So, Carrie, tell, tell us a little bit more about Cash Creek Casino Resort and, and what you do there. Yeah, thanks. Cash Creek Casino Resort is located in Northern California. We are equidistant between Sacramento and San Francisco, so part of the Greater Bay Area region and uh, one of the largest properties in California. We have 659 hotel rooms. We have large slot and gaming floor, and we have roughly 2,100 employees currently. So pretty significant operation, and it takes a lot of people to make the profits happen around here. So I'm excited to be talking about this today. Absolutely. In terms of your experience in building elite teams and working with them, what has been that game-changing realization that you've had that allowed you to link the chain between people and profit? Yeah, I would say my experience really started at the ground floor. I started my career in gaming really not thinking that this was going to be a permanent destination, more that it was going to be a station on my journey. I started as an entry-level, line-level employee in our guest services department. This is over 25 years ago now. But what I learned as part of a large team of individuals in what was then a growing industry really shaped and formed the supervisor, manager, and leader that I wanted to become. I truly believe we succeed or we fail together. And uh, that really comes from having shared values, shared goals, good communication. And I think uh, it's important to have a culture of trust to be able to help enable those objectives to Thanks for sharing that. Let me dive a little bit deeper into that because you started out at the very entry level. How do you think that colored the way that you went about building trust, building that culture in the teams that you wanted to build? Did you look at your bosses and think, all right, that's what I don't want to do? Or were you inspired that, okay, this is a model and a role model that I want to follow and in and, and their footsteps? I would say it was a little bit of both, if I'm perfectly honest. I think that there were definitely some styles that I learned from, regardless of whether or not it was a style I wanted to emulate. There was always something for me to learn from every individual that I worked under and worked with. And that's still true today. I very much consider myself a work in progress, a learning leader, and a lot of my earliest experiences really shaped and formed the leader that I hold myself to be today based upon some of the challenges of doing the, the job on a daily basis. And it really came down to things that 
seemed very simple from the frontline team member standpoint. Now that I am over a large operation, as I said, over 2,100 employees, I understand the complexities of communication in a 24-7 environment that really never slows down and has a lot of diversity amongst its uh, employees. That makes communication, which is really the most important component, quite challenging, but nonetheless, the most critical component of our success. Can you think of any example of communication where you felt was done either extremely well, or there was a huge miss that could have been done better? Yeah, I would say what I learned very early in the industry, and this goes back to, I would say, what I consider my high school or college alumni is the first casino that I worked at, which was called Verona Resort and Casino in Southern California and San Diego. And I think because gaming was still so new, tribal gaming was uh, really a growing and emerging industry in California. And we didn't have access to a lot of experienced gaming professionals. So Verona really focused on, um, a heavy focus on training for hiring the personality of the employees that they were looking for, people that were going to be a great cultural fit, but recognizing that they might have the personality and the motivation, but not have the technical skills that were needed. And through that process, through the training process and the communication of how to do the job, and also how to work together amongst a team of individuals who are really on a lot of levels, figuring it all out together. That to me was really one of the base elements of how to build a high-performing team. It was a lot of trial by fire, but it was a lot of, we're going to learn this together and communication is really going to be the way that we're going to lift all boats so that we can be successful together. On, on the other side of that equation, a not so great communication experience was working for um, a particular leader who I think in fairness was um, stretched pretty thin and didn't always have the time and resources to be able to address challenges directly with the individual that needed to be addressed. So there was a lot of telephone that was being played amongst a team of individuals. Now, ultimately, we became a high-performing team of individuals, but more so out of uh, survival of the fittest and not as much out of a more productive and supportive environment of trust. It was something where we really had to band together to help make sure that we were able to survive some pretty challenging times. It became a high-performing team despite the leadership rather than because of it. There's something that you said around that training piece where going through those experiences together and figuring things out together, was that one of the times that you started thinking about people and profit and instead of an usually antagonistic relationship uh, that people imagine people and profit to have, you started linking them together to say that instead of choosing either people or profit, you could actually have both. Was that one of the crucible times for you? I think it's always been a core value for me. Some of the expertise and talent that was coming in from very mature jurisdictions, such as Atlantic City and Las Vegas, not only were they different culturally, it was very male-dominated, very specific focuses from within the industry. And 
there were more times than not that I really questioned whether or not the leader that I wanted to be would fit within this industry. It's only been over time and a lot of really amazing experience working for some amazing tribal owners and operators that those tides have shifted and there's more room in our space for diversity of leadership and for different styles of leadership. I think it's really about making sure that um, you find the style that works best for you, that is most authentically you, and then find the place where that most authentically fits. It doesn't mean that one style fits all. doesn't mean that one company fits all. It's more so about aligning culture and values to make sure it's going to be sustainable. And if that's the case, then you can align people and profits. What do you think has influenced your leadership style the most? It would be hard for me to choose one person. I'd like to think that I'm a combination of a lot of people that I've looked up to over time. First and foremost would be my dad. He never met a stranger. He could make conversation and really gain the trust and friendship of most anyone that he met. Certainly the person I look up to most in my life. Some of the teachers that I came up under even going back to elementary school who made a tremendous impression on me, people that I've worked with in the industry. Certainly I've had some amazing male mentors. I've had some amazing female mentors. And I think that there's also a number of authors that I look up to and really continue to learn from on a regular basis. Brene Brown and her studies of authenticity and leadership really inspire me. But so too does the psychology of business that comes from Adam Grant, Simon Sinek, like I said, avid learner and leader in progress every day. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. I think for me, Brene Brown's authentic leadership writings have influenced me as well. And I think on that no, I, I would like to segue a little bit into what you talked about earlier around core values and having one of them being putting your people first. Could you talk a little bit more about what other core values that you hold dear and how you infuse them into your team? I think that having a value and, and purpose-driven motivation every day is one of the things that keeps me going even when the days are tough and they often are. I'm very fortunate to work at a property and work for a tribal sovereign government who established their core principles long before I ever arrived on the scene. I've been here for five years, um, five very interesting years, of course, because of what we've all been through together. Um, but I inherited um, what they refer to as a rich culture. And rich for us stands for respect, integrity, commitment, and humility. It was actually one of the first interview questions that I received when I was applying for this job. And it really helped convince me that this was a place where I would be really comfortable because it aligned so closely with values that I've long ascribed to. And that is infused throughout 
all of our conversations that we have here as a company. We have a recognition platform that we use to be able to award rich points when any of our employees convey acts that support those rich values. We're able to actually uh, call them out for that behavior and reward them on the spot. That platform also allows for um, cross-functional teams to collaborate and recognize each other. It even allows for peer-to-peer recognition. And then they can bank those points and essentially use them for um, little rewards along the way. So it's really building in that constant and positive reinforcement for conveying and living and walking in those rich values. We talk about it as part of our onboarding process through all of our guest service training. And, and then it really just becomes part of our language, part of our vernacular. And it's a great place to live in, quite honestly. That sounds great. And I, I love the acronym as well. I, I'm most curious about when it comes to manager conversations, because I, I think when we think about leadership, um, very typically your line managers, your, your frontline supervisors, your uh, middle managers, they are the ones that really carry the culture forward. How do you go about working with them to ensure that that they live out their rich values? Being stuck in the middle of a meaty middle management sandwich is one of the most challenging positions. I lived it. I walked it. It didn't seem like it would be as difficult from the bottom looking up until I was there and then realized the challenges of both managing down and managing up. We have a regular cadence of manager meetings. Took us a little while to get it started, especially post-pandemic, but giving the managers a safe space to talk about, here's what we're working on, but also here's a challenge that I'm having. Maybe somebody else has also experienced it, whether it's peer-to-peer or whether it's manager to the director or vice president level. And how can we all gain through those shared experiences to know that it's not easy. No one is ever going to say that it is, but it can be done and you've got support. And how do we help get you across the finish line with your team in as positive and productive fashion as possible? Can you think of examples or maybe what is it that line managers would do, for example, if they see someone who does not live up to the rich values? Are there real consequences to flouting these values? Even within my leadership team, I think we're having some challenges right now to have the safe space to have hard conversations when we need to hold each other accountable. And there's no recipe that I've bound to any of this yet. I think it's a constant adjustment to each other and to trying to meet people where they are while also holding them accountable for contributing and supporting the team around them. But those usually do come down to some coaching and counseling conversations about, I don't feel supported or I felt I was communicating, but I wasn't getting any follow-up from this individual And then trying to work through together, how do you go back and have that conversation with that person? Because my job as boss is often to play tiebreaker. My job as boss is to help remove obstacles and to keep everyone rowing in the same direction. I can have those conversations, but really, if I go back to that example that I shared from my earliest stages, 
we build the strongest teams when we're willing to have hard conversations with each other and not through a proxy, right? Not always through the boss or mom or dad stepping in to mediate. And so a lot of it comes back to how do you coach individuals to have those hard conversations and how do you, how do I make sure that I'm holding myself responsible for having those hard conversations when they need to be had as well? I think that's very much the tricky part of leadership. You have to manage all of those different environments. We're running close to the end of time, but perhaps if I were to ask you to say, if you want to meet another GM of a property and had to give this person advice on how to build in core values into their organization in a way that it is authentic, in a way that it is not weaponized as core values can sometimes be. I don't think there's a one size fits all solution for anyone. And I'm a big believer in the experience I've had over 25 years working for a number of different properties. And within that, different tribal owners of each of those properties, and sometimes even one tribe that owns several properties, but even those properties have slightly different personalities and cultures. And so my first and foremost guidance to anyone in a new role is always to sit back and learn and listen first, to try to really understand what it is that you're working with, who you're working with, what the history is that came before you. It's not always easy to do. I think that the more senior you become in your role, the more you want to make an effect change faster. But ultimately, when you're talking about culture and particularly a culture that may predate you by decades, you really have to learn and listen before you can start to affect change. And then I think just one of the things I always try to remind myself of is that sometimes earthquakes create more damage than water on stone, which can create a masterpiece, a, a natural wonder of the world, like we see with the Grand Canyon. And ultimately, I'd rather have the type of leadership style that affects change in a more graceful and sustainable way over time than an earthquake that can create a lot of disruption and uh, discord that ultimately could substantially change, if not destroy a culture. So water on stone is my advice. I love that. Water on stone and listening first, right? Thank you. If people want to find you, Carrie, what's the best way for them to do? You can find me on LinkedIn, um, Carrie Stout-Smith. Very easy to find and track down. And of course, you can always find me here at Cash Creek Casino Resort in Northern California. We're located in Brooks, California, about an hour and a half outside of the Bay Area and about an hour from Sacramento. And I look forward to seeing you and meeting you here. That's awesome. Would love to definitely catch up and understand more about how those values are lived in the casino on property. So thank you very much for hanging out with us today, Carrie. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you enjoyed the show and had some very useful takeaways today. Make sure you drop us a review and tune in the next time on the HR Impact Show, where we'll have another great leader sharing their best practices in building their teams. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.